and welcome back to our Biblical Womanhood series. In this session today, I would like to complete our study in one of the most important and well-known chapters in the Bible dealing with Biblical Womanhood. We've already seen an introduction of this, these convicting but inspiring and encouraging words shared by a wise mother with her royal son. We have considered the great value of this remarkable woman as Proverbs 31.10 tells us that her worth is far above rubies. We discovered that one reason she was so valuable was because of her loyalty and her honesty. Verse 11 proclaims that her husband's heart trusted in her he knew she would always do him good. Not only was she loyal and trustworthy, but this lady was also disciplined and hardworking. She made wise purchases, planted food for her family, and rose while it was still dark to prepare it. She was up late at night spinning thread, weaving cloth, and making clothing. She made goods to sell and took care of her servants as well as the poor, and she did all of these things with pleasure and delight. She looked well to the ways of her household, and it's obvious that her family was her first priority. Not only was the Proverbs 31 woman loyal and industrious, but she was also kind and compassionate. Verse 20 implies that she was actively seeking opportunities to help the needy and those less fortunate than herself. She was also a model helpmeet for her husband. And so today, I'd like for us to look once again at this very critical passage of scripture as we look at biblical womanhood. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10. Proverbs 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and holds her hand to the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. 
Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. As we work our way through this chapter, it is amazing to observe that although several thousand years have passed since creation, God's plan for the woman and the role she was to fill had not altered at all. It's clear that this woman, the Bible calls a virtuous woman, was busily and joyfully fulfilling her calling as a compliment and a help to her husband. Inserted in this list of her many varied accomplishments, we read her husband was known in the gates among the elders of the land. It almost seems out of place as she has been praised for one, one thing after another. And then we read about her husband. And then it continues again with more of her accomplishments. Well, it seems that that is there in the scripture because it was her diligence and her godly character that greatly contributed to her husband's success. If you are a married woman, one of the most important responsibilities you have is to support and encourage your husband to help him in the endeavors that God has called him to do. Last time we saw the tremendous help and encouragement that Susanna Spurgeon was to her famous husband, Charles. And the same thing is true in many marriages in church history the marriages of other men that God greatly used in the history of the church. I've read of Sarah Edwards, the wife of Jonathan Edwards, the man who is commonly referred to as possibly the greatest theologian our country has ever known. Sarah worked diligently as she raised and educated 11 children. She hosted many visiting preachers in their home and sought to free her husband to do what God had gifted him to do. Her love for the Lord and profound spirituality were a great blessing not only to her husband, but also to her children and everyone who knew her. I was also amazed when my husband and I visited the home of Martin and Catherine Luther in Wittenberg, Germany. We were told of how Katie Luther busily engaged in managing the Luther household, taking care of six children, several servants, and the many students and visitors who would come to spend time with her husband. She oversaw the planting and harvesting of a huge garden and bred and sold cattle to add to the family income. When there was widespread illness, Katie operated a hospital in her home to minister to the sick. Martin called her the morning star of Wittenberg due to her practice of rising at four in the morning to take care of her many responsibilities. I sometimes wonder how much credit for the accomplishments of these remarkable men could be attributed to the hard work and faithful help of their wives. Well, when I was in Bible college many years ago, I remember one of my teachers talking about this. It was my freshman year in college and I was a brand new Christian. 
I didn't know anything about being a godly woman, and while I'd been in high school, I got caught up in the, the women's liberation way of thinking. So I really did not, I was clueless when it came to being a godly woman. But when the Lord saved me as a freshman in college, he put a desire in my heart to be the kind of woman that he would want me to be. And so I was taking a class on biblical womanhood. And one day our teacher said, young ladies, never forget that it is within your power to make or break your husband. While that statement may not be entirely true, there is a lot of truth in it. And although that was almost 47 years ago, I have never forgotten it. After being in ministry for so many years, I've seen the truths of that statement played out over and over again. My husband has preached in many churches where the pastors have been dynamic speakers, excellent administrators, and devoted shepherds over their flock, but their ministries were greatly hindered because they were married to women who were not committed to the Lord and were not committed to them. On the other hand, we've served with other men who weren't nearly as gifted, but their ministries have flourished because of the godly wives they've been privileged to have by their sides. Ladies, you can be a drag on your husband spiritually and in his ministry, or you can support, encourage, and help him truly be a help me to help him accomplish the things that God has gifted him to do, things of eternal significance for the glory of God. Well, I've already mentioned the industry and honesty of this woman, and now we're told that strength and honor or dignity were her clothing. Elizabeth George says these two prized ornaments are the most impressive parts of our virtuous woman's attire because they are the clothing of godly character. These traits were such a part of her that they were like her clothing. Now, this isn't speaking of physical strength, but rather strength of character. She was strengthened by wisdom, grace, and the fear of the Lord. She had command of her own spirit and was able to persevere in doing well. She was a woman of resolve, and with spirit of, strength of spirit, she could bear up under many trials and disappointments. In addition to that, she was also a woman of honor and dignity. She dealt honorably with everyone. In all she did, she was governed by the principles of righteousness and a good conscience before God. In verse 25, we also see her faith. She will rejoice in time to come. Another English translation reads, she smiles at the future. She wasn't fearful, anxious, or worried about the future. She was busy doing all that needed to be done today, all that was necessary each day, and she could rejoice that her future was in the Lord's hands. We also see her edifying speech. In the book of James, we read that the true test of a person's spirituality is found in that small piece of flesh hidden behind our lips. Sometimes we can start believing that we're really godly until we stop and think about the words that come out of our mouths. Proverbs 10:11 tells us the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. And that's what this 
this woman's mouth was, a well of life. If I could only use two words to describe the type of speech we as Christian women should use, I think it would be wisdom and kindness. And that's exactly how this lady's speech was described. Notice the scripture says she opens her mouth with wisdom. Well, that tells, her that, tells us that her mouth was not always open. And that in itself might be a great starting place for some. We need wisdom to know when to speak and when to keep quiet. And when this lady did speak, it was with wisdom. But that wasn't the only thing. You know, wisdom or truth can be shared in such a way that it hurts or offends. And it's a great blessing to be able to let wisdom guide your speech, but limit it according to the law of kindness. A godly woman needs the courage to share God's wisdom with those around her. She needs to be willing to speak the truth, even when it's not popular. But her speech, the words that she shares, should always be done in mercy and in kindness. Elizabeth George wrote, What's true in art is also true of speech. What is not present makes a louder statement than what is. And we need to take note that in her speech there was no gossip, slander, or unkindness because she spoke with the law of kindness. She wasn't whining or complaining. She didn't belittle or make fun of others, and she didn't speak with indiscretion. Someone has wisely said, those who are not gracious talk of the wrong things. And those who are gracious but not wise talk too much. We need both in our speech and in our actions, wisdom and kindness. So we have the loyalty, honesty, industry, discipline, kindness, compassion, edifying speech, and godly, godly character all displayed as she was a faithful and blessed helpmeet to her husband. What was the result of her selfless demeanor and her hard work? A very grateful family. Her children arose and called her blessed, and her husband praised her. She had earned the respect and the adoration of those closest and dearest to her. Here was the wonderful fruit of all her labors. She received her greatest reward not from her community, her workplace, or her church, but from those who mattered the most, those who had benefited the most from her labors, and those who knew her the best, her family. Dr. John MacArthur said, there can be no higher joy for a mother than for her children to grow up and praise her as the source of the wisdom that made them godly. Her husband acknowledged that there had been many virtuous women, but in his eyes, she surpassed them all. He knew that he was blessed with the best of the best. The one who knew her best and had seen her at her worst offered his highest gratitude and praise to the wife of his youth. She had done him good all her days. She had never embarrassed him by her conduct, but rather had added honor to his name. She had not wasted their hard-earned money on frivolous things, but had managed their resources wisely. She had taken pressure off of him by working hard to run their home in an orderly and efficient manner. 
he could rest assured that his children were being properly trained and well taken care of. She wasn't an emotional basket case draining him of his energies. Instead, she strengthened and motivated him with her confidence in the Lord. Her strength of spirit, as well as her wise and kind words, were a constant source of encouragement to him. This virtuous wife freed him up to do his work and serve others. And most important of all, she honored the Lord in all that she did. No wonder this thankful husband praised her from a grateful and sincere heart. Well, here at the very end of this chapter, we find the basis for all she did and the most important thing about her. She feared the Lord. Charm is deceitful. It's a liar. It tells you something that is not true. When my daughter still lived at home, we loved watching movies that were based on the novels written by the 18th century British author Jane Austen. We enjoyed Sense and Sensibility, Emma, and my very favorite, Pride and Prejudice. One evening as we were watching one of them, one of my daughters spoke up and said, Mom, you know, Jane Austen always made the really charming guys end up being jerks. And I looked at her and said, there's something to learn from that because very often that is the truth, even in real life. Charm or confident charisma can be deceiving, whether it's found in men or women. And beauty is vain, it's passing. I can attest to you that your beauty is going to fade. It's empty and it has no eternal value. How many men and women have found themselves in deep regret for marrying someone simply based on their beauty, their good looks, or their charming personality? But this virtuous woman feared God. The fear of the Lord is the theme of the whole book of Proverbs. And because this lady feared the Lord, she was a model of the character and wisdom that is taught in the first 30 chapters of the book. It's also a reminder that this trait is more important than beauty or charm, which the world places so much emphasis on. It was more important and more significant than her talents and her abilities because her fear of the Lord is what enabled her to use those talents in a way that honored her husband, blessed her family and all who knew her, and most importantly, brought glory to God. As we come to the end of this encouraging and yet convicting chapter of scripture, I want to draw your attention once again to the truth that even though this book was penned about 3,000 years after the creation account that we studied in Genesis, God's design for men and women had not changed. This woman, who God himself describes as virtuous, was like Eve, a helper. She was a helper first and foremost to her husband, but she was also a helper to her children, her extended family, her neighbors, and those in need. She willingly and joyfully offered her services and resources to assist others with her kind words as well as her diligent labors. May the Lord be pleased to make every one of us this kind of woman. I trust he'll grow us in goodness and kindness helping us to be loyal, trustworthy, hardworking, committed servants of the Lord Jesus. May he use us as helpers to those around us as we work hard and discipline our time. 
May he be pleased to make us women of strength, honor, and faith. May we glorify him in all that we do and say and everything that we say as we seek to fulfill our high calling as women of God. Mm -hmm.